Hot on the heels of ABC announcing their 2023 reboot of Mother and Son, starring Matt O'Kine and Denise Scott, I just want to open today's show by formally announcing my reboot, revamped, reimagining a brand new original take on the old 80s Australian sitcom, Kingswood Country. Yes, in 2023, I will be releasing a brand new 2023 version of Kingswood Country. In this one, Ted Bullpit, the old stuck-in-his-ways conservative Australian suburban father, will now be played by Joel Creasy. And there will be a, a four-episode story arc of the six-episode first season where we find out that uh, the, the racism and the political incorrectness that the original Ted Bullpit was known for. Well, that's actually just a brain tumor that was messing up his mind. And in the harrowing arc, we see him as his family deals with the brain tumor getting removed. And then nurse him back to health. And then there's Thelma played by... Sonia Kruger. And in a twist of fate now she's the racist one. As Sonia Kruger wrote into the script. That Thelma in this one has to worry about all the Muslims moving into the neighborhood. But since... You know, Ted Bullpit has the brain tumor removed. He's now more progressive. So he's like, Thelma, you, you get, you're getting it wrong. You're getting it wrong. And then now the, the, their son-in-law, their son-in-law, originally played by Lex Marino's Bruno. Well, Bruno's now played by Ando. We've changed the old Greek man. We've changed the, Gre the man of Greek descent into a now Chinese man. To give it that 2023 uh, revamping. And now he's in an ethical non-monogamous relationship with um, the Veronicas. So this will be something I'll be making in 2023 as I'll be shopping it around to all the stations out there. Um, Channel 7 has already rejected it, the original home of Kingswood Country. Um, so if any station wants to reach out to me about putting this thing on the air, I will be making it uh, and I'll be living out in my car because I sold my house in order to fund all this. Oh, I also forgot to mention that uh, that the, the, the brother and, 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 and uh, uh, Ted's brother and, and his, uh, his, uh, his sister-in-law, they're both, um, now it's G-Flip and Richard Kingsmill. Let's destroy comedy, let's burn it down today. Time to destroy, come and be, it's full of serious time, and the lounge, where you'll be giving your eyes down, the window, 
Hello, listeners. Welcome to yet another week of Ross Purdy Destroys Comedy. I am your host, Ross Purdy Destroys Comedy. Joining me today is a comedian all the way from the Americas. Do, do I say the Americas? You can say whatever you want. That shithole. How's that? I mean, you said it, not me. I want to. I want to build a bridge between the two countries, and you it's just want to dismantle it. It's going crazy everywhere. Yeah, true. It's Mark Cateo. Cateo, did I? Sounds great. You did great. Did I do that right and correctly? You did. You did. Is there you like did. a? Is there like you a? Is there like a name, another name that you like that I can call you? Like Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Okay. This isn't that type of show. <laughs> no, Mike's fine. Mike's fine. Mike, just Mike. Not yeah. Mike. Not not the full Mike Attaya. Some people like coming in saying their full name as a sign of dominance. <laughs> I am not into I am only into dominance when it's fun. Right, and that's where the big daddy thing comes in. Is that where it comes in? <laughs> Sometimes, more or less. It's, it's, it's not that type of show. So, I believe you're here today to talk about resilience, resilience humor, how to address trauma and heal pain with comedy. Now, all comedy's given me is trauma and pain how do i use my tools of trauma and pain to help me heal my trauma and pain trauma is a huge defense um so it, it helps when when like so let's so i was in a car accident and i i have hiv and i was like i've had a lot of shit happen to me over the years and if I didn't laugh, I'd be dead by now. So like a lot of my comedy, a lot of comedy comes from pain. A lot of my pain, a lot of other people's pain. So, you know, I think that's one thing where it helps. It, that resilience really helps to make you feel okay. Mm -hmm. So if I like chucked an acorn at a squirrel, that squirrel... That squirrel will be in pain and therefore funny. Yes. Yes. A little bit. Is that what you're advocating here today? Violence against squirrels. No, I'm not advocating violence against squirrels. I'm sorry, uh, but that's what the line we've led, been led to right now. I, I guess you have. Yes. Um, I really just, I'm all about having fun. I, I try to have fun on stage. Uh, my jokes are a little dirty, a little dark. I I hate that I'm dirty because I the older I get, the more I feel like a dirty old man. So I I try not to be dirty on stage, but it never works. Well, being dirty is a young man's game. Yeah, and it's cute when you're a young man. It's not so cute when you're nearing fifty. Oh, I'm sure it's adorable. 
I'm sure it's adorable. <laughs> You're adorable, Ross Purdy. I'm not dirty. I'm not dirty, though, and I'm not close. I'm close to 60. Are you? <laughs> I couldn't tell. Oh, uh, for the Zoom link? For the Zoom link? Yeah, I couldn't tell. Well, it's all the kangaroo meat we, we uh, over in Australia, we wipe all over ourselves. You're bathing kangaroo meat. I get it. It's kind of a fountain of youth. <laughs> I got to go over there and try it then. Oh, they do not take kindly to Americans. If you try and kill a kangaroo. I wouldn't you... try to kill a kangaroo. I would yeah. just. You have, you have to kill the kangaroo, grill it into a meat, and then rub that meat all over yourself. You can't just grab a random kangaroo and rub it on yourself. It's not how it works. Well, why do you have to uh, cook it and clean it? Can't you just get a flesh wound and have that be the blood of the kangaroo? No, cooking it sterilizes it. If you just get a weird wound, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> this is my fake. This is my fake Australian folklore I'm making up right now, Mark. I believe it. Every word. I could say anything right now and you'll believe it. Truth to the people. <laughs> Tell me some more truths, Ross Purdy. You know, koala bears, you know, not, not that whole thing about them having chlamydia? Uh, sure. No, I did not, but I'll believe you. Oh, well, that's actually true. I was going to say, koalas actually have uh, <laughs> squirrel genes. I, that, that makes sense to me. That's the fake thing. That's the fake thing. Now, if I, I would believe that over chlamydia, the chlamydia is the true thing. Fact is stranger than fiction. It is. It is. So if I <laughs> never mind, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You started now. You know where my mind's going, don't you? So if I had sex with a koala, would I get chlamydia? Either that or a koala would get, I don't know. Someone's get, someone's going to get something from that exchange. Someone get, someone's getting screwed out of that scenario. Oh, God. Uh, don't, <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, don't worry about uh, holding back your burps on this show. This is a full free-range burp show. I fart more than I burp, Ross. Well, if it do that and it makes a loud sound on the recording, then yeah, this is this is a free sound zone. Awesome. Speaking of something that could be fake or fiction, you you've been doing the comedies for twenty years. Yes, sir. I started. Well, I started longer than twenty years ago, but I've been pursuing. I started pursuing it as a career in 2002. So oh, that's exactly 20 years. Yeah. I left for a little bit. I stopped with the career stuff for about eight years, nine years, and then I came back. 
So what made you decide to come? What what got you in there in the first place? And then oh, what I, made you want to come back? Um, I love making people laugh. And so I I tried it in 1995 was the first time I stepped on stage. And I did it on and off for years. And then in 2001, I went and did the Apollo in New York City. And I won that uh and I got a award letter and um, then I realized I could probably do this. And so I did it. Um, I In 2002, I got diagnosed with HIV and I quit my job and I just did stand up. And I moved back into my parents' house and I did stand up for, for like six months without working. And then I got a job but I still did stand up and I pursued it like a career and went within three years I went from open mic to headlining so I I performed my first hour-long show on December 10th in 2004 and so that's how long and and I quit because I started having panic attacks when I would get on stage, I started getting a following and I thought my fans were, I wasn't comfortable with the level of success I was getting. So I quit. Yeah, I had someone there to say, you'll be fine. Just stick it out. But I, I didn't, I, I had people telling me to keep at it, but like no one really talking me through what I was going through. Just uh just a platoon of you should keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. Just uh you know, and and people like I had bookers who still booked me on shows. They wanted me to stay and I was grateful. I was getting a lot of attention and I just didn't it it the attention I was receiving didn't feel good to me because I felt like I was a fraud. So Sounds like a diagnosis of imposter syndrome. Yes. Yes, very much so. And you know what the cure for imposter syndrome is? Pasta? What? Kangaroo meat. Oh, delicious. No, but you got to rub it on the part of you that feels like you have imposter syndrome. So the brain. That sounds complicated. You're very into kangaroo meat, aren't you? Look, as an Australian talking to an American, if I don't bring up the free, the free Australians' essentials, kangaroo, koalas, Vegemite. I haven't brought up Vegemite yet, but that will come up. I, how does Vegemite taste? Awful. Really? But I can't have enough of the stuff. We're fiends for it. Have you seen the movie Requiem for a Dream? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Parts of it. It's with uh, Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey, right? No. Oh, no. different film. This is the one where they're like real, all real into heroin. Now, swap out heroin for Vegemite. That's the country of Australia. That sounds delicious. It's quite harrowing, actually. 
I I was into crack for a while, so um, that is different than heroin, like opposite side of the spectrum. One's an upper, one's a downer. Yep. But I loved it. Ooh, I loved it. Not good long term, though. I imagine. No, no. It once I once got high in my apartment and got so nervous I was having a heart attack. I walked to the emergency room. <laughs> and sat outside just in case I dropped dead. Hung around outside, outside the. I sat outside the emergency room. Yeah. Well, look, we all have our rituals. True that. So you've gotten it. You did the stand ups. Yes. And then I did the sit down. Yes, I did the um, waka waka. That was awful. I did stand up. Yes. How dare you? I was literally going to say that. And then you mocked yourself. And then it felt like you mocked me, even though I did not say it I just as yet. What? You were going to say waka waka? Yes, I was going to say, yeah, the sit downs, waka waka. That's hilarious. I love saying waka waka. You have no idea. Whenever I tell a joke that doesn't go over very well, I go waka waka <laughs> because it makes me laugh and fuck everybody else. I mean, you've already bombed. You might as well plagiarize as well. Exactly. Hey, hey, waka waka. I love Fuzzy Bear. He's my hero. Was Fuzzy Bear the one who, who inspired your comedy? Yeah. Definitely inspired the Waka Waka part of it. It inspired Waka Waka, yes. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, I I was always a like I like I like being silly, and Fozzie was the epitome of silly. Well, they all were. They were yeah. Muppets. They were all silly. Who who was the and serious one? Piggy wasn't serious. She was she was scary. She was full on. She was like a dominatrix. Her and Kermit were like in a toxic relationship. Yeah, yeah. And Kermit, she's in everything. Kermit needed to cut her out, but he just he couldn't hand he couldn't get himself away from that sweet pig puss. <laughs> Kermit needed to grow a pair. Yeah, a pair of hands up his yeah. tuckus. So, and so he's what he's doing right now is miming a, a hand being up a puppet for all the all audio listeners out there. This is a great visual podcast. <laughs> We're doing so many visual jokes right now. What type? So, what type of comedy would you say you do? You do a lot of physical stuff, or do you do a lot of witty stuff? I only I, ask this because of the hand movement. I do a little, little uh, visual, little, mostly autobiographical. I can't use my left arm. Um, it kind, it sits here. I'll show you, but not the people on the radio. I, I'm look, I'm looking at it right now. It yeah, it's kind of like I'm a waiter, um, and I walk with a limp. So, you know, that's really, that's the extent of my physicality. I, I usually. I do some act outs, but I usually 
keep the mic in the stand when I do stand up just because I'm lazy. But I have a lot of energy on stage. So so kind of a high energy. Yes, very high energy. But not... I, I love talking to the audience. I don't like doing the same jokes over and over, um, especially if they don't go well. Uh, one night, I will just... I will abandon all jokes and just start talking to the crowd. Does anyone ever go, I didn't pay, I paid for jokes. I didn't pay for a conversation. No, no one ever says that, but I've heard a couple of bookers have taught it. But the way I figure, if I make the crowd laugh, who cares what I do? Well, the whole thing could have been pre-planned. You don't know. All those audience you're talking to. Yes, I paid 3,000 people to come and sit in their seats. Hey, man, tough industry out there. It's a tough industry. You hear about these comedians paying for audiences? <laughs> I, I No, <laughs> that would be awful. You don't make a lot in comedy. I've made... I once... I once... Um, Got a road gig that paid $150. And I went there and on my way back, I crashed my car and it cost me $140 to tow it back. I made $10 on that gig. Oh boy. When you crashed your car, was this V car accident or a couple no, of different it was not the car accident i'm an awful driver so okay well there's a, there's a pattern here yes yes the first accident i was 18 months old so who gave me the keys back then i have no idea sounds but, like uh, sounds like uh some uh negligent parenting perhaps perhaps we should talk to them right let let us talk about that. Parents, what was it like growing up? As yeah. you, as you a person? As me? It was, it was fine. I mean, I was stubborn. So as a, like, I was a disabled kid who you couldn't tell me I couldn't do anything. Um, if you told me I couldn't do it, I would try to do it anyway. And, um, my parents, I, I walk with a limp and uh, I have cerebral palsy, so I can't, I walked with a limp and to really help me get over that, my parents put my bedroom on the second floor. So I got really good at navigating stairs and falling down them. Um, and so that was really like, the, my childhood was pretty much normal. I wasn't much good at team sports, but, you know, other than that, I, I, I liked it. Name me a comedian who is good at team sports, and I'll show you a liar. You know, I don't know. That's a very good question. I think, I think Dane Cook was probably good at team sports because he can't stay still. I think... If grooming 15-year-olds is a team sport, maybe Dan Cook's quite good at it. I I think it I think I think grooming 15-year-olds is a team sport. 
Right, because it takes the whole like, oh, I'm just a family friend, and then it. It takes. You have, to, you have to get a family involved to be a friend too, and then now everyone's okay with it. It takes a village to groom a child. That's what I'm saying. Is that your next book? That's my children's book. It's coming out in March. And is it about a whole village of people learning to cut a child's hair? Yes. Yes, it is. And fingernails. Right. I mean, you know, you got to get the petties in. Yeah. Man, the pet totally, totally. pedicures. <clears throat> so tell me good, more. Hmm? I love a good pedicure. Oh, yeah. I need, I need a pedicure. I need, I need pampering. All the time. But I'm look look at me. I'm look how I'm live. I live in a dumpster under a, a garbage pass. That's a very nice looking dumpster, I must say. Oh look, I dressed it up a bit. But it's a dumpster. It's a dumpster not quite too similar to where Oscar the Grouch lives. <laughs> and we're back to Muppets. Look. If nothing else, this is the Muppet Show. <laughs> the show about Muppets. It's time to get it started. It's time to write the Muppets. So your family, growing up for you, having that, those stairs. Seems like a horrible, cruel joke. Someone with a limp. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a cruel joke. It was... It helped me in the long run. Like I, you know, I grew up in New York City, so there were subways, there were things I had to navigate. So in the long run, it helped me. But, uh, you know, I, yeah. Mike, there's subways everywhere. It's a whole franchise. It's shop. <laughs> waka, waka. Waka, waka. So you would say your family treated you normally or? Yeah, yeah, very normally. I mean, as normal as you can was when you're just insulting someone with a limp by making them walk upstairs. Eh, it helped. At least they didn't kick me down. Ah, oh, they didn't even give you the benefit of kicking you down? I know, go figure. Look, once the pain subsides, you would have traveled down with the help of someone else. Pain never subsides, especially emotional pain. So how do I use comedy to deal with it? <laughs> yeah, you laugh at things. You try to find the humor in what what is put in front of you. Because... I, there, there is always a bright side to everything. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. I'm an optimist. I always look for something, the silver lining in something, because if I don't, I'll be miserable. And I don't want to be miserable. I'd rather have fun. Well, you know, misery loves companies. Yeah, but uh, I don't want to be part of that company. Oh, with the way Elon Musk is laying everyone off, no one's being part of the Twitter company. He is a twat, yes. You say the word twat a lot? No, not enough. You, did you, you just bring it back? 
You just kind of put it on the bit. Look, I'm talking to an Australian. I'm going to use a word they're probably familiar with. Uh-huh. Twat. What? What are you saying? Uh, what is... Is that your next so, book? No. I told you my next book's about grooming. Okay, well, what is it, what's the book after that? You're always going to be thinking ahead. I'm always thinking 10 steps ahead. And that puts me in the front door. Oh, that was bad. So, so you say twat a lot. Oh, oh man, you can't, you can't have a mic on me after time. I'm always saying twat this, twat that. Often by affecting like a real just British accent. Twat. So, what do... Australian words and American words, do they have different meanings? Like, I know in America, fanny means your ass. In um, England, it means your your front, right? The vagina. Yeah, yeah. The vagina, I'll say it. The twat. The twat. Here we go. We're back to twat. Well, here's the thing. In Australia, we just look at everything England does, and we, and we copy them. Oh. America was like, well, we cut away from this thing, so we're going to do our own thing. We're going to get rid of you and the word color and the word humor and no Union Jack on our flag. They, they did get rid of the letter U a lot. Is it because America's all about I? I thought that meant they were all about O. I think it means... I think it means... America's not about you. It's about I. You're calling America a very self-centered country. I wouldn't be the first, Mike. I'm sorry. You would not. You would not. Look, you came in here calling America a shithole. So I want so. I wanted to build a bridge. And you dismantled that bridge. So I'm like, well, what's the point? What would you name your bridge? London Bridge. That's already been built. No, but this has a U in it. <laughs> <laughs> Where where is the U? After the O. So the U is silent. No, London. London well, it's not Luden. It's not Luden. Luwinden. Luwinden Bridge. Lounden. I like that. Lounden. Lounden. Lounden Wainwright is a singer, is he not? That's very American of me. Lounden, Lewinden is very, it's very um, universal. Universal Studios. You ever work there? No, but I visited. Um, you know, we should have got rid of the U there and just call it Universal. There is still time. Put that pitch in now. Universal Studios. <laughs> Universal Studios. There's Universal Studio Monsters. That was a good ride. 
I was uh, just in Florida. Dracula. What? What? Dracula. Dracula. Well, no, Dracula. Dracula is one of those universal monsters. Oh. It's actually a very clever joke what I just did because when I I did Mike, and this is the part where we destroy comedy by explaining it. Okay, I took let's... I took I took the U out of Dracula. Yes, I got that. Okay. Got that. Thank you for explaining that. And that's what <laughs> destroys comedy. Explaining the joke after you've done it, right? Waka waka. See why that's funny is, and then you tell people why that's funny. Is that part of your comedy? You just explain no, to people what's. I, I try not to. I have the idea for a joke where, <laughs> where um, I just tell a bunch of things on, say a bunch of things on stage, and no one laughs. And my punchline is, "Well, I guess you had to be there." Like it's such a random thing. I. You know, it's more of a skit, but I think it's funny. It makes me laugh every time. And look, someone's got to laugh. I didn't realize we were on a timer. Ooh. You know what that means? It means shut the fuck up, Kateo. It means speed round. You had a special on Roku? I did, yeah. Um, It's called Crossing the Line. And uh, it was a pay-per-view special, and they put it on Roku. Um, And yeah, that's me. Now, they put that Weird Al Yankovic movie on Roku. Did you end up crossing paths with him? I like Weird Al. He he made it. He he treated me like a surgeon. (laughs) See why that's funny is he had to Called like a surgeon. Ah, Did I do right, Ross Purdy? Exactly right. And if we can go even further and say, like a surgeon, like the song "Like a Virgin," which that song is in fact a parody of. Weird Al songs would be better if he spent time explaining what each song was a parody of. Uh, Weird Al is my hero. I I want to put Weird Al and Gallagher in a room together and have them fight it out. They are the two opposite ends of the same coin, are they not? They are. Like, I sometimes can get confused and think they're the same person. Like, yeah, like uh, Weird Al, if you fuse them together, uh, Weird Al Gallagher would sing a song, a parody while he's smashing watermelons. And complaining about it, like, well, Weird well, people like Weird Al. Yes. And Gallagher's very bitter. And dead now. Is he? He's I dead. He's dead. He smashed his final watermelon. Oh, that's so sad. Now, this brush with mortality. Does this make you think about your own life? How would you um, sum it all up, Mike? I... I feel like, so I feel like I always wanted, I oh, so in the beginning when I started stand up, I wanted to like be really well known, almost famous. And then I got a taste of fame and I was like, no, I do not want this. And now I've come full circle. 
And I think why I've come full circle is I have a wife who supports me and is like, you can do it. I believe in you. And she thinks I'm disgusting, by the way, because I fart and I smell bad sometimes. And I used to I used to date guys and she keeps on saying to me, I don't know how you used to be gay. You're gross. Um, that's not the criteria for being gay. Sounds like a bit of biphobia from your wife over there. I think so. I think so. I I personally um I personally love farting. It makes me feel so good just coming through. She she doesn't like my obsession with chair. She thinks something's wrong about that. I'm sorry, but that must make her completely understand how you could have been gay. <laughs> she she once said uh i was once singing out to share song and she goes what are you doing is this what you used to do in your gay days my gay days like i'm from the 1890s well look you could split time up between pre-gay gay post-gay pre-gay post-gay Pre-gay. What are the pre-gay activities? I mean, I guess whatever. Pre-gay is just being gay, but probably repressing it a bit or just not being fully aware yet. Gay is coming to terms with that and realizing it. Post-gay. Well, I don't know what that is. What is that, Mike? That's Vagina City. And post-gay is Vagina City. Is that the name of your next special? I think it should be. <laughs> Look, you might as well court some controversy. Uh, then why don't I just call it Cunt Town? Cunt you... Town, I through Vagina City. You can call it that. There's nothing saying you can't call it that. We could call it the Land Down Under. How dare you. How dare you equate my country? That made you laugh, Ross Bertie. That made you laugh. I'm a tough crowd. No but calling. I'm, but I'm not calling Quinn. No, I'm not. You're not calling Quinn. I I uh I was in a web show, web series. I had an episode in a web series where I played Colin Quinn Stalker. How much research did you have to go into stalking Colin Quinn? Oh, he's uh he's kind of slow, so I didn't have to prepare that much. He's a good guy. He's really nice. A lot of fun to work with. Well, if I feel anything from today's show is Colin Quinn is nice. If, being a stalker is a tough job. That's what I've known. And being stalker is a tough job. It is. It is. We don't have much time left. The time is going down. Are you dying? What's going on? This, this link is dying. Is this the end? Is this the end? Papa. Papa. Okay, you can call me Papa, but don't call me Big Daddy. Do not do that. <laughs> do 
Do we have any final words? Anything to plug? Your books are coming out, of course. Um, I follow me on social media, uh, linktree.com backslash funny man Mike or uh, Instagram funny man Mike Cateo, C O T A Y O. And that's it. And that's it. No more butt plugs. Now, sometimes on this show when I segue into plugs, I I segue by making a butt plug joke. Do you? Yes. I I feel like we're connected, like we're soulmates. You know, uh, from, uh, from across the ponds? Yes. What is the American? What is the American national anthem? Something by Cher? Yeah, it should be. It should be. Cher should sing the um, na- the American national anthem um in a garter belt. I think that would be lovely. That would be that would be purdy, Ross Purdy. If I can turn back time, I wouldn't have gotten involved if in the I Vietnam conflict. Wouldn't have assassinated JFK. <laughs> What's other more American history? She could just do a version of that song and she just lists all the things, all of America's regrets. Yes, that would be that would be a hit single right there. Look, Billy Joel can get a hit by just listing a bunch of historical events. So I could share. So where can we find you, Ross Purdy? I'm on Twitter. At Destroy Comedy. And on Instagram. I am still, for now. For now. And Instagram? And Instagram, Ross Purdy will destroy comedy. All right. I will, I will tag, I will find you and I will explain all my jokes. Thank you. Please continue to explain all my jokes. Thank you, Mike, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. I don't have a sign-off phrase. What should my sign-off phrase be? Fuck off. All right. Fuck off. Uh, Bye, everyone. I love you. Bye. So long. Let's run this clock out to the actual... Because it will...